really a disloyal person. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is not this podcast. This is the disloyal <laughs> idiots. <laughs> you we went so long without making that mistake. Oh, so God. long we got used to it and uh, everything. You know, and I saw the I saw the the further Noons connection in Mike, and here we are. Uh, this is Steve Haller with the Disloyal Idiots. Joining me as always, Christian Guzman. Andy Pregler is still on a milk carton somewhere. And we've got uh, Troy Nunes and Absolute Magician staff writer Mike Ostrowski on, uh, joining us as a special guest, uh, frequent special guest. Uh, what's going on, guys? Well, I see Christian got the memo to wear red today. It's it's my morning color, obviously, because your baseball team's moving on. Mine isn't. We have a baseball team, Christian? You make great points. <laughs> I, I didn't think a season started until April, so yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just enjoy <laughs> yourself, Mike. That's it's fine. I feel worse than twenty six. Hey, I, I don't know why. I lived through a ten year drought. I deserve a little happiness. I lived I, through the eighties Yankees. I mean, I also got the nineties Yankees, but yeah, yeah. I, but also eighties Yankees. That was when only two teams from each uh, league made it to the playoffs, right? Yeah, we still wouldn't have. Oh, good. <laughs> there were some bad stretches through there. But good. here we are. You know what else happens in bad stretches? Penalties. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what happened against Clemson? Penalties. Yes. Here we go. If anyone was living under a rock, Syracuse football lost last week. Uh, and by last week, I mean yesterday, to Clemson, 31-14. to 14. Uh Call me crazy, but the score seemed worse than what we saw on the field, seeing they were still in it in the fourth quarter. But uh, we got a lot to unpack on this one. So uh, since Christian mentioned it, do we want to just dive right in on penalties and or various uh, control the controllables, coach speak, uh, things that could have been fixed? Yeah, because I feel like this was a game that Clemson did not win and Syracuse very much lost. Um, This was a game where... This is a it was clear throughout the entirety of the game that this is not the same Clemson team that Syracuse has been used to facing over the past 15 years or so. Like, I think we can all three of us can agree on that point. However, of course, that makes it the most winnable Clemson game in quite some recent memory. Unfortunately, the things that we saw in games like last year, which kept Syracuse in games, didn't happen in this game particular contest against Clemson and it probably ruined Syracuse's best chance in the short term at least of a another win over the cream of the crop of the ECC yeah and I for anyone who watched the game the first two series were a microcosm of what was going to happen for the rest of the game of Syracuse doing everything they could to stop Syracuse and Garrett Schrader finding a way to not look like Garrett Schrader and stupid penalties coming back to bite the orange. Uh, in the case of the first two series, uh, it would be a penalty called against Clemson that apparently was not a penalty for whatever reason. Um, I did not see a replay on it. I Anybody who wasn't in the dome. There was helmet-to-helmet contact, uh, but uh, because I know Steve and Mike were both in the dome, uh, there was a clear, clear replay that showed there was helmet-to-helmet contact. The only thing that I could see maybe the refs were like it's not wasn't targeting is that the helmet to helmet contact came in the lower part of the helmet and it wasn't like a flush helmet to helmet contact. 
Yeah, last I checked in the rule, there's nothing that states what part of the helmet has to make contact with. What yes, and um, I, I, and there was um, I think one of the Q's video production uh staff members who, or someone affiliated, or who had a media credential, who posted slow motion footage of that hit on social media, and um, the head isn't supposed to snap back like that. No, no, it's not. Let's put it that way. Simply. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how he, I, I guess how he stayed in the game at that point and wasn't immediately in concussion protocol also confuses me, but um, whether it was whiplash or concussion or something, um, he wasn't, he wasn't running the tightest ship before and it definitely uh, wasn't as tight after either. Yeah, and it, oh, it, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, sorry. Do you know said post game that he went through concussion protocol? Personally, I don't know how you can do that so quickly. I was going to say that's the quickest concussion protocol you've ever seen, especially since that's um, that that immediate comes an offensive series was like five plays, right? Mm -hmm. hmm. um, and then on the very first play of the next series. On just a regular halfback toss, Schrader did not exactly have the cleanest toss to Allen, fumble taken back. That already did not look like a great sign that he was 100% at that point. Right. Yeah, there was definitely a toss. There wasn't much of a directionality or a catch to it. Um, so, yeah. Either way, I mean, it, it's not on us to prognosticate injuries or any of that sort of thing. Well, I guess it technically is. That's kind of part of what we do, but um it one way or another whatever was up um Garrett Schrader was not playing to the level we had seen him in the past and have seen this year uh I don't know if there's any uh any other way to slice it than a lot of what happened what uh, this this team is riding or dying on what Garrett Schrader can do at this point especially now that it's kind of clear what the Syracuse game plan has to be just given the amount of weapons that is available to Schrader. Uh, because now what we're seeing with this offense is that it's really heavily impacted more so than we thought due to the injuries to Aronde Gadsden and Isaiah Jones, because Syracuse doesn't have a guy it necessarily trusts to make a catch over the middle, whether that's route running spacing wise, positioning wise, physicality-wise, athleticism-wise, hands-wise. There's something among the wide receiver core that is currently left that means that the routes over the middle or the targets over the middle that we saw Schrader excel with last year are not available to the Orange just based on the personnel that is available. And so when you need to go to the passing game, what we saw a lot in the Clemson game is that you need to go down the sideline because that's the strengths of your wide receivers. And in a way, yes, you have to play to the strengths of the talent that is available. Unfortunately, the wide receiver strengths and the quarterback strengths are not synchronized. And what we saw and what has continued to be a trend throughout Schrader's Syracuse career is that his sideline accuracy is not the greatest. I mean, you heard Dave Pasha and Dusty Dvorak on the um, broadcast consistently saying that 
you know, the wide receivers could probably catch or were probably in good positions to catch sideline passes. It's just that the majority of Schrader's sideline passes were taking them out of bounds or out of position. Right. And that was, it's, that sideline accuracy is something that he's, he struggled with a lot over the years. But when you also have uh, some targets to, open things up over the middle it may give you a little more space to be a little more forgiving not have to put it on the dime on the outside like he needed to especially against the quality of coverage we were seeing but yeah every one of those passes and i from my seat it's literally down the sideline um every single one of those was like a half yard out of bounds or like a yard out of bounds that would force the wide out to come down you know a step out of bounds and it was just just that little off made all the difference in the world. And so now we get into this really interesting place with the offense about how they opened it up the rest of the way. Because we always preach, especially on the website and just in general around us, that, again, you have to play to your strengths. So do you have to, and from what we've seen, again, Schrader can't, really throw accurately down the sideline. So how do you correct that? Do you like do you move Alford to the slot, which is ultimately maybe the decision that has to come, and just live with Atcher Brown and maybe hopefully Trevor Pena down the sideline? Is it okay, we'll just keep throwing it down the sideline and maybe open up Liquid Allen on more flat routes like we saw a little bit more towards the second half? No, you know what we saw? We saw you can use Dan Valari as a nice... Oh, wait, he's hurt. And we were... I was going to get to that. We can't do that anymore. Um, It was so nice for 10 minutes. Literally 10 minutes of Syracuse at Central New York. Realizing hey, that... During that time, he managed to break about seven or eight tackles. So, oh, yeah. you, know what it was? You, know, you know what it You know what it was? It's uh, you know, Dino Babers is probably a very online person, and so when he heard the news about uh Taylor Swift's new interest in her life, he probably realized, hey, okay, that guy actually plays football. What does he play? Oh, tight end. What is that position? You can use one of those. Whoa, <laughs> is that what we've been calling that that tall guy on our team? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, and I'm glad uh, for since since Mean Girls is well just finished up its run in Syracuse. Uh, I am very glad that I did not stop trying to make Thunder Dan happen because uh, it seemed seemed to have uh, seemed to have come to fruition that Thunder Dan Marley was the new fetch, um, or Thunder Dan Valari rather. Uh, we I, he looked good. He looked good in varying positions. The I. What was what was up with the pass? The pass, the, uh, the Donovan one that, uh, dropped it. Yeah, the, the one that Donovan dropped. <laughs> yeah, because it was right to him. Yeah. He had two guys open. Chose I could choose either one. He had Donovan Brown and the Quint Allen both open for a touchdown. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the guy he threw it to dropped it. We don't. Our wideouts never drop balls. Come on. Um, two but, weeks ago. Well, okay. Uh, exactly. <laughs> So uh, there is a reason why we're not talking much about Thunder Valari, and it's because once again, 
the unfortunate thing about Syracuse football has reared its ugly head again. And it's not the penalties. It's not the offense. It's the injuries. The owies. The, indeed, owies. Because not only is Dan Valari out, people that we thought might be coming back are also probably not coming back for a long time. Yeah. So we were very excited against Army when we saw Trevor Pena uh, suit up and receive kicks and do things that were fun and football-related. And then he didn't show up on the depth chart, and we thought it was just Dino being Dino because, well, I've written those depth chart articles for many years and still have never gleaned any actual information from them. Um, That doesn't mean don't go read them, but uh, you're not going to get a whole hell of a lot out of them. Uh, (laughs) But... um, but he's apparently out for a bit, it seemed. Uh, I don't know if there was any anything more than he's just out, Mike, or if it was Dino he Vegas. Rea- he, yeah, he, he re-aggravated whatever his previous injury was. That's as much as we got out of Dino. Which means it was really great idea to trot him out against Army. And it was a really great idea to apparently, well, it probably was because he probably didn't have much choice, to trot out Kalen Ellis against Clemson because I, I think we all know, we, we all knew, at least at least I did, and I hope everyone else did, at the beginning of the season that the biggest weakness of this team was the offensive line. And it didn't hurt, I mean, it didn't help that Kalen Ellis, who was supposed to be the one known factor on this line, was hurt at the beginning of the season. And unfortunately, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. And unfortunately, it looks like Syracuse had to rush him back. I don't know about that. So, or so this is because, yeah, because I'm going to predicate this by saying because that that was, did not look like he had a great game. Now, is that mainly the injury or is that rust? Yes. Cool. I think it's a combo of both. I think you have your first game action against of the year against Xavier Thomas. <laughs> That's a great thing to happen. Let's let's throw him over you <laughs> to start your uh, your season. Good luck. Um, it's, it's 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 not like you know you have to face that again this season. Uh, don't look what's happening in two weeks. Uh, but you know, yeah, it's not like you have to do that again. Right. Now, that said, this was technically this was the best defensive front they will see. However, two weeks from now, two weeks from now is uh, maybe uh, if this is like an A plus, they're like an a half plus in two weeks. Well, so, thing is that, the thing is, in two weeks from now, by the way, for those, so you know, who who don't know what we're talking about, two weeks from now is Florida State and a projected top three pick in the draft is on the offense opposing defensive line. Mm hmm. Minor Probably the first non-quarterback off the board is on the off opposite defensive line. He is shooting up boards that quickly. Really? Okay. Yeah, he is. And mm-hmm. um, again, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's former Syracuse transfer target, Jared Verse. Yeah, he going to be good. But thankfully for Kalen Ellis, he tends to play a little wider than uh, what he should see. He may catch him on some doubles. Uh, this is this is true. It, it would yeah, it would be nice if we had you know both of our starting tackles in prime pristine condition. Oh wait, our starting one is out for the season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So situation normal. 
nothing to you know we're we're living the uh dog sitting in the middle of the fire gif here uh this is fine and uh according to our friends at pff um we had all but all but two all but three technically because they came in in garbage time but um of our starters three of them were below the mendoza line in run blocking or pass blocking and when i say that i don't mean like they were at 58 uh jacob bradford our starting right guard graded out at a 16.3 Kalen ellis graded out as a 36.9 and mark petri at a 43.1 uh, Enrique Cruz actually graded out as a 48.5. So still uh, below. Yeah. So four out of five. Sorry, I misspoke. Um, Chris, and remember for, for those above. of you who do not uh, know PFF grading stats, 60 yeah. is the Mendoza line, not 50. And when right. we say Mendoza line, we mean the base grade that a player starts with if they do not play for mm-hmm. a game. Right. So. Yeah, Bleich was our only only one above at this point. Um, uh, John, Johnny Reed, you know, shout out to Johnny. Oh, yeah, Johnny Reed was Johnny at Reed. 66. So who am I? Who didn't take snaps that something's weird? Oh. It's because uh, Bleich moved over. It's because Bleich moved over to right guard after the first two yep. series when Ellis went in. Yes. Yep. Okay. Pieces are pieces of the puzzle are coming back. Yeah, and, and that's what we also expected when Ellis would return, is that yep. Bleich would also move over to right guard. So you would also hope that if Ellis is back full-time, hopefully, that you have that continuity at least. And that's what you probably expect the line to be for the rest of the season. It's going to be from left to right, Cruz, Ellis, Reed, Bleich, Petri. Yes. And then hopefully unless, you can build... I, no. Unless well, Joe Moore ever... Uh, Joe Moore did he, play five... Joe Moore played five snaps. I think I think he is probably going to be next man in on the right side, no matter yes. what type thing. Um, similar to like he and Aloha both got in for five snaps. That's why I was saying, and Ho got in for five as well. Um, why I was saying they they came in in garbage time, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Joe Cruz got eight somehow. Cruz is the Cruz is one of the Cruz is one of the offensive linemen that Syracuse brings in for their jumbo package. Gotcha. So whenever Syracuse wants to run the Philadelphia Eagles tush push, Cruz is the extra offensive lineman that they bring in. Which seems weird to me, but hey, whatever. But it's worked. I yeah. mean, it's worked. That's... And and it would have worked again if it wasn't for penalties. Mm-hmm. Should we segue into that? I mean, I think we've beaten that bush enough already. Have we, though? There's been so many instances where stupidity... Like, yes, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's not just penalties. It's the stupid penalties that we've been told how many times now would have been addressed. Yeah, and this is and it's the only problem why I'm not beating the bush around it too much. It's because yes, we've seen it, but I don't know if I have faith in Dino to solve it, and. Unfortunately, I think that's just the problem we're going to have to live with, which as unfortunate as it sounds, that's the kind of reality that we're in. And it's Syracuse was the most penalized team in the FBS last year. I'm not sure where they're ranking right now, but they're 
it's probably trending towards that path again. I feel, uh, again, this is just look test, but I feel like they're better than last year. Yeah, no, definitely, but they're, especially, yeah, but especially after the last couple of games, it's it's trending. I know they're not one at the moment because I believe they only had one against Army. Fewest penalty yards per game. Nope, wrong way. Wrong way. <laughs> nope, wrong way. Uh, no, we're one twenty-four. Okay. So that is bottom 10 or bottom 11, something like that. Uh, it's 124 10. out of 130. So that is six. Yep. We have the six most penal- six most penalties in the FPS. And that's that's by yards per game. So. And that's by yards per game. What about total amount? Uh, the NCAA stats are really dumb. I'm so. going to look that up. But, but Steve, I know you want to ramble about this. I'll let you ramble about this Why? look this up because again this is a problem that we've consistently seen especially now over the past couple of years and it's not just limited to one side of the ball i mean yes you could say that a couple of calls were weird and i think a lot of people agree that the refs didn't have a great game we kind of already went over that but at the same time you can't put yourself in the position to allow the refs to make any type of 50 50 call yeah, and that's, I mean, that's definitely one thing that needs to be worked on. See Wax, Marlow. Um, like, yes, uh, Kate Klubnik flopped worse than Joe Girard last year, but uh, you can't put yourself in that situation. Yes, the offensive line had a couple of false starts that it shouldn't have had. Uh, the aforementioned jumbo package that went the way of the Buffalo because of that. Uh, yeah especially against a team like Clemson, you can't shoot yourself in the foot that many times and expect something to actually happen positively. I don't know where that takes us for the rest of the year and where this will trend. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie. When I looked up that yardage statistic, I did not think we would be that low uh, in, in the rankings. I figured we'd be, you know, low mid table. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, problem that keeps rearing its ugly head much like injuries and i mean i don't i don't know what what to do about it like there's a couple of there was a couple of pis that okay some of them were valid some of them were questionable you're going to get that any game but especially playing against much better athletes those i can i can at least accept but it's the the controlling the controllables thing that really really is the that's the crux of this whole issue Okay, I have good news and bad news. Okay. What do you guys want first? Uh, yeah. uh, vegetables. Take we'll take the veg. We'll, uh, Steve wants the good and bad news. Mike wants the good news. It's yeah. It's podcast standard to go vegetables first. So. Yeah, it's, it is podcast standard that we must go bad news first. The bad news. In terms of total penalties, amount of penalties this season, Syracuse is tied for 116th in terms of... Okay. Penalties, which means, and by, and I should have said fewest penalties because Syracuse has forty penalties called this season and is tied for with five teams at fourteenth on the list in terms of most penalties this year. So we are creeping close. The good news is a two-part: one, Syracuse has forty penalties. 
UMass leads the way with 54. So we would have to do a lot <laughs> to catch up to them for the number one spot. And the other part of the good news is that Syracuse is only the third most penalized team in the ACC. Oh, and go. now we get to play our favorite game. Who are the other two? And you could probably guess them. Well, I have it pulled up, so it's on. Uh, it's on. It's on Mike on this one. I have not been watching enough other ACC you footballs. You, I don't have. you don't need. You don't need to. Guess what? You could probably take an educated guess. And by educated guess, I mean guess the record. Virginia Tech. That's surprisingly not. Oh, other Virginia? Surprisingly not also. Guess the Mason-Dixon line. And guess above it. Yeah. Well, Boston College. Indeed. And That is the current worst team, and they are third in the FBS in most penalties this year with a good 50. Excuse me, that is tied for second with Louisiana Tech. Mm -hmm. Man, what is in the water in Massachusetts right now? You Uh, ask great questions. I don't know, but uh, you remember you remember that uh, that team that you root for and the college team that's in the same city as them. Mm, the, 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 uh, the the team that the, shares uh, a, pits a field. of misery. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. They yep. sit just above Syracuse with forty-one. So all of the northern teams in the ACC are doing really well when it comes to being penalized, and that's before conference play really starts. <laughs> You know what that means? That Yankee Stadium is going to be a really fun game. Yankee Stadium is going to have more TV timeouts and stoppages than it's going to be a six-hour game based on penalties alone. Oh, as you much tell as me I that as I'm actively trying to find a way to go there and whether I'm staying overnight or not. Yeah, exactly. As much as I love Yankee Stadium. Yikes. Yeah, I don't well, need a Western Michigan game. The uh, the other thing is that uh, that nice Friday night in the dome, Mike. We're gonna be there till like one. I have a five minute walk back, so that's not a problem. Oh yeah, you're also young. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I also forgot that Friday. I also forgot that Boston College game was a Friday. Yeah, you don't want Syracuse BC Friday night lights. Come on, man. There's no more enticing game you could possibly want. Is that on? I, I, that is on uh, ESPN two, I think. Oh, that's even worse. I, I was I was saying for the for the sake of the nation, I hope it was on ACC Network, but it is on no, it's, a it's network. national. It it's is national. a national game. Yeah, nothing nothing says college football TV money like putting Syracuse Boston College on national television. There's a demographic for it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's called Sicko's Committee. At Sickos Committee on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so I believe we did answer the perpetual Sickos question, right? Yeah. Is Syracuse good? No, because Syracuse does not itself want to be good. Now, I think I think we can talk more about this on the other side of halftime, but uh, I think we may not be as sunk this week as I originally thought. But whatever, we can talk about that later. Right now, we're going to talk about Home Field Apparel, who uh, is your one-stop shop for all vintage collegiate athletic needs uh, in the comfiest fabrics you can find. I guess technically they don't just have collegiate uh, collegiate wear. They do have their own brand of 
whatever they call them that's unbranded besides home field and still feels awesome. It's their um, core, collect- core collection. Ah, there we go. And also because they're from in- because it is an Indiana company, they are running a limited uh, Colts collection as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're- I, I I feel like we'll see more more and more growth from our friends over at Home Field. Um, so yeah, check them out if you haven't at this point. They do have some uh, some great Syracuse stuff. Uh, I am a proud owner of numerous things. I think my wife lives in that uh, Cuse Auto hoodie. So uh, beyond that, uh, you know, check them out and is, oh God, I don't have it pulled up. Cuse 23? Noon's 23. Noon's 23. I was close. Uh, N-U-N-E-S 2-3 for a discount on your first uh, purchase. That's why I support our friends. I don't feel apparel. We'd like to thank them, as always, for sponsoring the Disloyal Idiots podcast. I don't want to go too far into this podcast also without shouting out the defense because, yes, 31 points is disappointing to give up, but that's not all on them. It's a very deceiving 31 points. Yeah. This felt like, was it three years ago where we had a good defense and they looked like shit every game because we just couldn't stop, like, couldn't get them off the field? Oh, so 2020, yes. Mm Yep. Oh, that was three years ago. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that was indeed. Mm-hmm. My memory isn't completely shot, but uh, but yeah, uh, very very solid showing by them. I mean, for what you could expect, facing the level of talent they had, and they stepped up for it. Yeah, I think I think the only thing that was tough to see, and um, I, it was very evident for everyone watching the game, is that uh, they. The defense had a tough time deciding what to do once Klubnik got out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament to him keeping his eyes downfield and making sure he always had an option. Um, Schrader never got the luxury of that time because he was always sacked before he could escape, escape said pocket. But um, Klubnik, once he escaped the pocket, um, first of all, yes, you could say that, you know, contain-wise, that's a problem that he should just... If he has to escape the pocket, he should just be taken out before he can do that. But at the same time, he always had an option because from what I noticed, the Clemson wide receivers always did something once he got out of the pocket to make themselves as an available target. And that's something you always want to see in your wide receivers is that if a broken play happens, just don't stand there and continue to run your route. You know, improvise and adjust in order to help out your quarterback. Um, And you saw that a lot with receivers coming back to the ball um, getting away from receivers and improvising to give Klubnik a shot. Yeah. And so what that did, um, because Syracuse usually did have a spy on Klubnik, but because but if Klubnik escaped, that spy was stuck between helping out in coverage and crashing. Yeah, and that was that was a weird I I don't think I think I mentioned it in the Slack during the game, but Having to worry about Klubnik once he broke the pocket was not on my bingo card. No. Uh, I, for one, I I was amazed at how much we did flush him, and on the flip side, was amazed at how well he was performing. You know, on the move and, like you said, I guess his receivers showing for him and giving him an option really helps. And you know, that's something our guys can get with experience. Um, you know, maybe they just watched the game film of this as to what the, the Clemson Whiteouts were doing. But 
it's yeah that was that was very frustrating to see uh, the d-line doing what they needed to do and still uh still giving up yardage which that's another testament to the level of talent that we were playing against versus uh you know the, the purdue game for, for for example or any of the other games we've played this year yeah i think somewhat surprisingly and maybe that's also just a testament to what a lot of people have seen this year about Clemson's offensive line regression, but this was the best game I think this season that the defensive line had. And yes, that might be also, again, like a lot of people have noticed that the reason for the Clemson losses against uh, Duke and Florida state, a large part of that was on the offensive lines of, of Clemson. Yeah. But it's still a highly recruited offensive line, no matter what you say. So you know, highly touted, in terms of the talent that is perceived to be there just in the locker room. And so to see the defensive line show up with a performance like that is at least promising. Yeah, I think Shaking the Southland actually in their postgame article may have summed it up the best, uh, referring to Clemson. This week they made a few mistakes that could have been very costly, but Syracuse made costlier mistakes and the Tigers were Mm -hmm. this Again, this was a game that Clemson – Probably, if Syracuse was going to pull off another upset, this was the game to do it in. Because Clemson looked vulnerable at times. Yeah. However, Syracuse did not take advantage. Um, and you could say drop. I don't like using dropped interceptions as a missed opportunity because those are hard enough to come by. And so, yeah. yes, if you if you drop interceptions, sure, but you should not be relying on that to win you games. What you should be relying to win your games and what we've already, you know, harped at the beginning of this podcast is staying playing clean football, which is not committing penalties and not committing turnovers. And Syracuse did both of those in bunches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a good, it'll be a good one to put behind us. Yeah, I think I think it's a good. For what this team is currently, it's a good point in the season to get something, get a game like this in and out of their system because this week against UNC, who I believe is currently ranked 15th, unless that changed, uh, they were on a bye this week. Uh, so I can't imagine they they moved too much in the, uh, the rankings. Um, but uh, Syracuse is traveling in their first road test uh, in conference to face North Carolina and open as six and a half point dogs. The Tar Heel UNC is fourteen now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tar Heels are currently fourteen. Yes, yeah. so they moved up by not playing. Good work. Yep, they moved. They moved up. Uh, largely helped by the fact that Utah did suffer that upset to Oregon State. So yeah, um, they they dropped eight spots. So oh, yeah, that'll do it. Well, that's because losing to the Pack Two is necessarily frowned upon. But let's also kind of zoom out and put this into perspective because I know a lot of fans were angry about this game. And you're right, there are things to be angry about because, like we keep mentioning, this is a game that Syracuse probably should have won if not for all the mistakes that it itself made. Well, I want to I want to qualify that. I don't want to say they should have won it, but they could have. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's actually better. That's a better statement indeed to say that Syracuse could have won this game if it weren't for all the mistakes they made. 
But let's also zoom back and realize that at the beginning of this season and just in general, we knew as a fan base that this current three-game stretch that Syracuse is on, Syracuse was very likely to lose all three of these games. And there wasn't a single person in our predictions that said they were going to win one of these games, was there? I think all all five if of them they, predicted If a there was, I would like to talk to that person. <laughs> wasn't you, was it, Mike? <laughs> uh, for the uh, um, predictions we do, the weekly predictions we do, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I did drink orange Kool-Aid this preview. week. <laughs> No, I'm, we're talking about the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, the preseason, like perspective. Pre, no, preseason, yes, preseason, I said loss. Yeah. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. I mean, the weekly, I think Yumi and maybe Max all predicted a win um, because, you know, I'm ever eternally optimistic uh, until it comes to the offensive line. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that this is a death stretch of, like, let's, mm-hmm. let's put all three tough games right next to each other. I am... This, Again. Yeah, and remember, the next three games are also on the road. So, like, this is going to be very, very tough uh, because you're going to a hostile environment in Chapel Hill. You're going to an even more hostile environment in Tallahassee. And if you can believe it, an even more hostile environment than that in Blacksburg. So, yeah, thankfully that hostile environment in Blacksburg seems to be... Uh, less hostile than normal. I mean, it may be hostile, but on the field, it's going to be a lot less hostile. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, we we say that, but then you know, Pitt happened, and maybe just Pitt's just that bad. I uh, does any? I feel like the entire ACC is full blown sickos committee at this point. Like, I mean, this may be the case. Good. Hopefully, hopefully, Syracuse can rub it in. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, so. But it all, and it also just goes back to the one thing that I I'm truly scared about. It is the injuries. Yeah. Because the, the one thing you wanted to get out of this three-game stretch is to escape with as little as injuries as possible. But you already have Gadsden and David Wallaba out for this season. Who knows when you're going to get Trevor Pena and Isaiah Jones back. Kalen Ellis, thankfully, is back. But you hopefully, you, you would hope that he hasn't been rushed too quickly back. Now you have Dan Valori, who proved himself to be a weapon now out for a who knows amount of time and you're suddenly dropping out of options on the offensive side and you've got to now also hope that does that doesn't trickle over to the defensive side as well because the defense has stayed healthy thankfully the defense has stayed healthy but on the offensive side Syracuse is quickly losing options and Mike can't hear me knocking on wood for you there there you go. There we go. Um, I should probably do that as well. Uh, the offense is quickly running out of options. Um, so much so that you saw Daryl Gill get a significant amount of time on the field as well for, on the wideouts. Not saying that Gill isn't going to be a talent because he definitely has you know, the speed, the natural speed to eventually be a talent. But right now he's pretty green. And so it's if Syracuse wants to take advantage of that weak ACC, it's got to stay healthy and figure out a way to get some of those guys who are long-term injuries back as quickly as possible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of Gill at this point is kind of brown from last year, right? Yeah, like there's there's upside, but he and and you know there's speed, but I I didn't want to be. I'm glad we weren't forced into the point where we needed to use Brown last year, and now if we're forced to use Gill, it's like okay, what are we doing here? Now, one quizzical thing, and for anybody who's listening, sorry, we keep going back to stuff that's happened, but um, did I miss a memo, or does Demarcus Adams not? believe in playing wide out much anymore the that's also a good point like i didn't see him out there for a whole ton of slaps, slaps but also slaps. also weirdly if you can't trust him to track the punts well enough uh, yeah yeah i'll give you that but like <laughs> gonna, i don't know i what we're down to for this receiving core is it's crazy like it's it it is pretty much all freshmen, redshirt freshmen and walk-ons. Well, and then size-wise, you have Alfred at six six two ten, and everybody else is six two or shorter. That's healthy. Oh, Gill is six three. Sorry, but like there's there's not any other size on the roster. You know what this also goes back to? Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. I mean, we're we're already well ahead of. We're at least three wins ahead of twenty twenty, so we're 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 there. Yeah, the only thing that didn't, that hasn't happened yet is the quarterback getting injured. Listen, Christian, it doesn't matter how much wood you knock on; that always happens. It's been I've been ten years at least since we've had a QB play every single game. This is true. Thank yeah. you, Ryan Nassib. Jesus, that was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Or did Ter- or did Terrell Hunt play all the games in the Texas Bowl year? No, uh, yeah. somebody else. Was that a was that an Andrew Robinson? So it was either that or an Austin Wilson. Yeah, there was there were things happening that year, I believe. Um, <laughs> and in twenty fourteen, it all went to crap. Well, you know. Uh... Uh, Mike, you weren't here when we just when we were talking talking about the 2014 Syracuse NC State game. That was a trip last week. I loved oh, that so God. much. That was that was all of us realizing, wow, NC State was bad with good talent, and what happened to stupidity, and how how do well, we all? Mike, that? did you get a chance to listen back to that podcast last week? I did not yet. I will have to. But let me just say that there was a reason why. That 2014 uh, Syracuse NC State game was weird, especially with like NC State bad with good talent. Why is that? And you might start to quickly realize. Oh, oh, wait, hold on. You were the yeah, one that's, that uh, comment in the Slack during the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't put the. Oh, wow. Christian, but it's all, all full circle. But you also might realize, Mike, that. A certain person that you are very familiar with as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan has something to do with that game. Hmm. Well, I'm sure you're not going to spoil it now, so I will uh, find out. I kind of do because I want to see your reaction. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine, fine. Let's just say it's the reason why a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans are dissatisfied with this season so far. Really? Because that guy was the offensive coordinator for 
NC State in 2014 with guys like Jacoby Brissett and MVS on that team. Yeah. So when you uh, at 12:33 on Saturday said, "What is this Matt Canada play calling?" I forgot that you weren't in on that conversation. <laughs> I thought this was a callback to last week when we we went down this rabbit hole on um yeah yeah Matt Canada somehow screwed that talent up and we faced yeah, him, no. figure two or three years in a row and then Great. he went to LSU yeah crazy for those who aren't watching <laughs> what, the podcast what? right now Mike is internalizing deep pain <laughs> For, yeah, for anyone who's seen when you, this is look, when you've seen as many when you've seen as many jet sweeps as I have every single week, <laughs> it doesn't even matter if they're executed well. I just immediately get flashbacks of yeah. every five yard loss I have seen over the last three years. Oh yeah, yeah. That's well, a- luckily Syracuse doesn't have Irv Phillips anymore to tempt them into into jet sweeps. Steve rolled his eyes so hard. Who was was it George McDonald that was the OC that was like yeah 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 oh god it was him and then it was him and probably Tim Lester Mm -hmm. yeah it was George McDonald and Tim Lester who did what I always hate and especially because it never worked wide receiver bubble screen that's what I was trying to get at was. Who was it with the bubble screens? And McDonald was the. That was McDonald and Lester. Yeah, I think I had tried to scrub that from my memory, but mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, good old uh, XFL legend Tim Lester. So, um, yeah, wow. Well, well, luckily Beck is not done then. Yes. And... No, Beck. I mean, Beck had some questionable play calling sequences this week, but yeah, I'm I'm personally that that was an ugly game. Yeah, because I because me personally, and this this is actually something we can talk about to futurify this podcast instead of pacify this confest, uh, not pacify but pastify this content <laughs> this podcast um, is that what what we know from Syracuse and what we've always asked from Syracuse is that in order to get the best out of a team. You want to put the ball in the hands of your star. And we saw that massive switch when Sean Tucker started to break out. And that's when we saw considerate efforts from Syracuse to put Sean Tucker in space. And it's because that it's because he was the star. And they showed the star quality. And so the main objective was, hey, let's make sure our star qual our star player has all the options that he needs in order to succeed because that is also going to be our best form of success. And now I think we're at the point where we can say that about the Quinn Allen as well. No, we were at the point where we could have said that about Dan Villari. <laughs> Run the entire offense around giving Dan Villari the ball. But with Villari injured for an unknown, unknown amount of time. Okay, I guess we'll fall back on the real yeah. good running back. That's fine. Let's fall back on the guy who got the number one jersey because Dino never gives out a number one jersey, remember? Yeah. D- Dino, this is something also, like, think back in, D- in the Dino Babers' time at Syracuse. No one in the Dino Babers' era at Syracuse has ever gotten the number one jersey. LeQuinn is the only person. 
And there was a report uh, from the broadcast team during the arm during the Army game about how Dino specifically during his time as head coach gives out the number one jersey to special talents. Yeah. And the Quint Allen is heard Carter wore it in twenty two to give you a a gauge for quality of who ends up to wear, allowed to wear it. I'm sorry. I said Laquin or uh, yeah, Laquin Allen. Uh, Jihad Carter wore it last year, uh, at least part of the season. Uh, I don't believe he wore it for the entire season, but he is on the roster as number one. So, um, or is that just Syracuse.com, or is that just Syracuse.com misreading his eleven jersey? <laughs> Could also be. Um, and then the only other, uh, what year did Dino start with us? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. So the only other was Sean Riley. Uh, listed uh, Brisley as well. Oh, Brisley esteem. Yep, and that was his senior year, so similar, yeah. similar kind of concept. Yeah. Um, you know, standout senior talent, Sean Riley senior year, same deal. So yeah, it seems like it's a, a pretty. Uh, but again, notice all those names. Brisley esteem got it when he was a senior. Sean Riley got it when he was a senior. Yeah. Jaha Carter Jr., but you know, pretty well established. Allen is a sophomore who, before this year, got one game of significant playing time. Right. Look no. at look at what he's done now. No, I mean, it, it uh, appears that you know the time away from the team hasn't done anything to him in terms of his rust. Um, so I think we can all put those worries that we had at the beginning of the season out the window. Um, yes, the run blocking this game helped a lot, but. We've also seen now that once Allen gets into space, he's a problem to stop. Yeah. And so now I think, well, what we have to see from Jason Beck is let's let's give him space. Let's find out a way to give him space. And because if you don't have a Ronde Gatson, if you don't have Isaiah Jones, what else are you going to do? Well, and we saw it happen a couple of times where using him creatively worked out very well. That touchdown was, you know, him out of the uh, out of the backfield. So, like, we can use him not just handing the ball off to him, and it seems to work successfully. Why don't we use it more? Or why don't we use why don't we use something to set that up, or that to set something else up? And you know, and and why not just run the ball more? Yes, I get it. Syracuse was down for most of that game. So naturally, a pass-first offense is going to be the natural thing that you want to go to. But what has Dino always predicated this uh, his offense in general on? It's established the run first. Yeah. And yes, no matter how much the, the OC changes, your head coach is going to have some say on both sides of the ball. And Dino has always preached that what he wants to see from his offense is the run to be established – in order for the pass to open up. So yep. why not run the ball more on first down? I get I get if you're down, you're going to want to pass. But if you're going to pass the ball on first down and then run the ball on second down, why not run it on first down? Make the second down pass, make the pass that you're eventually going to do a lot easier. Well, and then also we saw the, uh, I think I called it the uh, inverse George DeLeon. Yes. Uh, who was the OC before either of you were born, probably, uh, was the old run, run, pass, punt offense. Um, we saw a bunch of pass, pass, run, punt. And I was like, what? 
how what how are you doing that that doesn't make any sense um so yeah i don't know it's almost like it, and as a first year oc you sometimes it happens but i almost wonder if uh if beck kind of got in his own head a little on the play calling i kind of see i can see that yeah so maybe this week against unc we see that like say see the you know the the big the first big game jitters kind of uh, settle out a little. And I think we have to talk about this UNC game now because we are 52 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked enough about this UNC game. Mike, as much as we love to talk about the defense, there were some issues in the secondary. Um, Jeremiah Wilson and Isaiah Johnson didn't have their best games, pass interference calls, getting beat down the sideline by receivers, a couple of uh, safeties as well didn't have their best game so much so that we saw a lot of Jaden Gould and Miles Farmer in the secondary to uh and Jaden Bellamy and Jaden Be- yeah, and Jaden uh, Bellamy as Jeremiah. well to try and get some new looks in the secondary. K Club is not the best quarterback right now in the ACC. That goes to Drake May who's a projected top 2 pick in the draft. And that's who Syracuse faces next week. I mean, by by a lot of metric standards, May's not the best quarterback in the ACC right now after these first four games. But uh, we know he 100% has the – he's uh, got – He is going – he is probably – he is going uh, – unless somehow a team at two wants to keep their pick and has a quarterback. Yeah. He is going number two in this, in this draft. Yeah, and if a team in the NFL – is playing bad enough to have the number two pick. They probably don't have a quarterback good enough to pass over Drake May. Unless the Bears somehow get their crap together. And by crap, I'm playing the Bears don't get the number one pick again. I mean, that's probably going to the Cardinals still. TBD. Bears Cardinals. So Protect, sorry, perpetual disappointment. Which which three teams are getting relegated this year? Pitt, BC, and Virginia Tech. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, Drake May is very good at throwing the football. But that that's how re- wait is that how relegation works? The bottom three teams get sent to the pack two. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's how the pack continues. <laughs> Each of the four. we solved it. We solved it, guys. Top four teams. Top top four leagues. Your bottom three teams get shipped off into a conference. And then it's just a lottery for the for the rest of the pack. The pack. Oh god. Oh, that would be uh, so great. That would be amazing. God, I really wanted to talk more about UNC, but you know, this is gonna be the Drake May show. We know this. I mean, do we have other concerns going into this outside of what he's going to do to our secondary? Uh, stay healthy. Correct. But, like, if for some reason Rocky Long can do something to make the secondary hold up to the scrutiny. Um, it goes back to, like, you know what? You know what's going to go back to, Steve. You know what it's going to go back to. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, and we're, I, I think the answer is they will hold up better than they did last week. 
the offensive yeah. line is going to be the team, the unit that makes or break this team. We've I've said it this entire year, and I, I know Steve and Mike can back me up on this. Mm-hmm. This team lives and dies by the offensive line. And yes, ball penalties had a lot to help in this. The last block this week was not good enough to help Syracuse. Now, this also said, I've been meaning to try and get this in somewhere. Garrett Trader's getting back to his old kind of happy feet ways a little, and I don't like it. Because a lot, there were probably, I don't know how many sacks he had, but at least three of them were uh, him either not stepping up in the pocket or flushing when there was a pocket and just trying to get out around the guy. Like, um, keep wanting to say Joe Moore. Mark Petri uh, had his guy and was riding him, and Schrader tried to get behind him and around him. And it made no sense whatsoever. And then he got taken down. And I'm like, it's, he's, and I get it when you don't have the confidence in the guys in front of you, but also like step up into the pocket or don't run directly into the defensive player. Those are my, my keys to the game that do better things. Mike, you weren't, you weren't here for last year when I had my big epiphany and realization moments about what happened at the end of last season. But Steve and I both discovered this at the exact same time. And it might be time to implement this strategy once again. And that strategy is run away from where the protection is. Yep. Because what we realized at the end of last season is that, hey, guess what? Syracuse actually had some positive plays when they ran away from the protection. It seems dumb, but it worked. <laughs> so does Syracuse go back to that? I Sure. Hey, if it, if it works, it works. So we'll see. That is a test that's going to happen at Chapel Hill and Keenan Stadium yep. this coming weekend. It is another noon game that fans are going to be so excited to get into right after college game day. Yeah. God, Pat McAfee's going to have an aneurysm trying to lead yeah, into no, that it's game. It's a 3.30 game. No, is it? No. Wow, I am sorely mistaken mm-hmm. if it is. Yeah. Yeah, because I I had something later in the day. Yeah. It's definitely- it is indeed a 3.30 game. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So it is not the immediate lead in, but it is a 3.30 game that will be happening on Saturday. It's to what your appetite for the middle of the brutal three-game stretch. And... Syracuse, if Syracuse wins, great. If Syracuse loses, this is probably what you expected. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Uh, Gentlemen, any final thoughts to wrap up this week? Good actually, actually, we do have final thoughts um, because we, we are this podcast. <laughs> um, how do goalkeepers make saves? I don't think we should ask Jason Smith that. Because unfortunately, Syracuse did lose to Duke in men's soccer, fired three down in Durham this week. Um, second loss of the season for Syracuse. And this time the offense the offense looked pretty good. It's just that fortunately, goals went in for the if, opposing side. If there was a definition of a howler, uh, that would be Jason Smith having one. Um, but 
in general, like this is a Duke team that last year was supposed to be doing what Syracuse did and lifting that trophy. So it's a talented side. The The entirety of the ACC is stupid talented. Um, we'll see. We'll see SU drop from that number seven spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they stay, uh, stay relevant in the conversation and they're still proving they can play with these teams. Don't worry. They have not lost at home yet. True. True. So. Still undefeated at home. Only losses on the road to Cornell and Duke. Good thing next year it should also be pretty good. Oh, wait, Stanford's coming next year. Yeah, let's add them to the schedule. That's a great idea. Was Got the ACC look. stupid in soccer before? Now well, let's make them dumber. Now, the only question is, will that be here, California, or Dallas? You ask great questions. North Dakota. I was going to say that. No, it's South Dakota. Oh, yeah. It's South Dakota. That's where Syracuse men's basketball is playing Oregon. That's that's what I was trying to go for. Yeah. Uh, why not? You know what? Actually, we should end on that. On that, I, Because, again, if you can't tell, we kind of make these outlines for this podcast on the fly. John Rothstein attended Syracuse men's basketball practice mm. this week. And this was, I believe, the first week that Syracuse men's basketball got back up to, you know, full practice. And it's, you know, full sail. We're getting closer and closer to basketball season. And we got some early looks on to what exactly might be happening with Syracuse. First of all, Rothstein basically confirmed with Autry that it's going to be man-to-man defense this year. Whatever will Bill Raftery do? Find out a new way to start Syracuse games? (laughs) Go back to what he said like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. If he can think that far back, yes. It's all just a <laughs> mush mush of onions in there right now. Rothstein's projected start at five is basically what we expected, as what many fans and what most of us on the site expected. Not starting five of J.J. Starling, Judah Mintz, Chris Bell, Benny Williams, and Mahim the Clout. And I think the most interesting thing, and I think the news that a lot of Syracuse fans want to hear, is that Rothstein is reporting that Mince's shooting looks vastly improved and that he looks more confident to shoot as well. Could it have gotten worse? (laughs) There's always a possibility. (laughs) But it looks like, at least hopefully for Mince's sake and for Syracuse's sake, that it hasn't. Nice. I mean, it's good to see that the, you know, the thing he needed to work on is actually the thing he worked on. We've seen that happen in the past where it's like, hey, this guy needs to focus on one thing to get better and then comes back and it's the same thing. So Mark Dolezal gaining weight. (laughs) No, Mark Dolezal physically could not gain weight. (laughs) The amount of pizza that man ate. He should have not been a rail. Oh. Now there's a there's a question we need to get answered. Will Autry continue the post game pizza tradition? <laughs> huh. Gino is is Gino and Joe still throwing uh, or not Gino and Joe's uh, Mario Gonzalez? Where'd you get Gino and Joe's from? That was an old uh, <laughs> Liverpool like chain in Liverpool. They had like two or three shops. I don't know if it's still there or not, but guess what? We somehow squeezed it in at the end, but Steve is old. Yeah. Yep. Here we are. Uh, I think we hit it around the 40th mark or 40 minute mark too. 
but we definitively hit it at the hour and three mark, which is all we need to do to end this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to the Disloyal Idiots podcast. As usual, we're back here on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, slash Periscope, if that's still a thing. I forget already. Facebook, but, you know, Twitter, Periscope. Twitch, YouTube. That's my that's my ancient old technology. Um, thank you also for watching. We're usually here on your streaming platform of choice on uh, 8 p.m.s live on Sundays. If you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, thank you so much for listening in. And make sure you rate, review, subscribe, follow, leave a comment so we can trick the algorithm into expanding the good old Ottoman Empire. As always, if you're right, uh, listening on the website as well, thank you all so much for clicking on the article on newsmagician.com as well. You can always check out our great articles there as we lead into whatever game is that week. And, of course, this week it is UNC. I'm Christian Guzman. That's Steve Howard. That's Mike Ostrowski. Thank you all so much for watching, and go Orange. Go Orange. Go Orange.